Hi, I'm Jackie Tantillo, and this is Should Have Listened to My Mother. Should Have Listened to My Mother is heard worldwide with listeners in the U.S., Canada, Spain, France, Germany, U.K., Ireland, Sweden, Egypt, Pakistan, India, and more. It's such an honor to reach so many, and I felt that today's show should be heard to honor and pay respect to the people of Ukraine. In this first week of March 2022, the entire world is rocked by the senseless invasion of Ukraine by Russia. An Eastern European country of approximately 44 million, Ukraine is the second largest country by area in Europe after Russia. In just a minute, I'm going to introduce my guest, who spent decades in corporate America as a managing director at J.P. Morgan. She's now partnered with the Learning Forum, which is a benchmarking organization, where she's concentrated in the field of HR technology and operations, helping businesses grow. My guest is a Ukrainian-American, mother of three, and she is on the board of directors of the Ukrainian Cultural Center of New Jersey in Whippany, representing the Ukrainian School, which is the School of Ukrainian Studies, in her role as its administrative director. Anya Tomko, welcome to Should Have Listened to My Mother. Thank you very much, Jackie. It's a pleasure to be here. Can you pronounce your maiden name for me? Sure. Uh, in Ukrainian, it's pronounced Tershakovic. In English, we struggled with it with people, but it was Tershakovic. Tershakovic. It's so beautiful, but it, it gets so hard for some people. So as long as we've cleared that up, and I don't have to say it myself. <laughs> no, that's totally fine. Usually Thank you. It on, usually it doesn't fit on a business card, so Anya Tomko is fine. Works or just great. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Well, thank you for joining me. Um, why don't we start off with, because um, this podcast is about moms, and we have seen in this past week or two the, the heartbreaking stories of mothers that are still there in Ukraine trying to protect their families. Tell us a little bit about your mom and begin with her name, please. Sure. Uh, my mother's name is Marika, or in English, Mary. Um, she is my role model in life. Um, my mother is currently 80 years old. She emigrated here to the United States with her family, leaving Ukraine as a four-year-old in the midst of World War II. My family comes from Western Ukraine, so they left while the front was advancing to their homelands. Um, they spent time in a U.S.-based displaced persons camp, and at the age of seven, she arrived here in the United States in 1949. Um, her family was sponsored by another family in Wisconsin, so that's where she grew up until meeting my father in graduate school at Indiana University, and since then has spent her time here on the East Coast. Um, she has been our family's rock from day one, um, diminutive in size, but not in strength. Well, it seems like that's what we're getting to know about the women let alone the, the women that are making Molotov cocktails <laughs> and spending days walking and protecting their children um, at the borders or in the shelters. So you come from good stock, my dear. <laughs> and that's a compliment to uh, any and all who are suffering at this time. Your father's also Ukrainian. 
Yes, my father was uh, has unfortunately passed away 13 years ago. Um, he is Ukrainian, um, also from Western Ukraine, had a very different upbringing in the United States than my mother. Uh, he, like my mother's family, left um, Ukraine. He was seven when he left Ukraine. They walked across Europe, as did my mother's family, until they ended up in the displaced persons camps in Germany with bombs flying overhead. Um, his family was originally granted a visa to go to Argentina, but then at the last minute, they were actually um, permitted to come to the United States. His family settled in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, which is now known as the Ukrainian village. Um, so whereas if you speak to my mother, she, like I, does not have an accent when she speaks uh, English. My father very much grew up going to a Ukrainian daily school, participated actively in Ukrainian activities. I don't know if you watched Saturday Night Live this past Saturday, but the opening scene was of a Ukrainian choir, Dumka. My father was a soloist for that choir. Um, but his career actually very much kept him heavily steeped in Ukrainian activities. He was um, the editor-in-chief of the Ukrainian newspaper for a while here in the United States, Svoboda and Ukrainian Weekly. He also worked for Radio Free Europe and Radio Liberty and was a teacher at our Ukrainian schools for the last 35 years. He was the second person my mother met as a Ukrainian when they met in graduate school here in the United States. So obviously a very different upbringing in the U.S., but their patriotism and love for Ukraine and the strength of their mothers was equally the same. Have you spoken to your mom recently since this the fighting has begun? It must stir up her memories, her childhood. Uh, absolutely, um, absolutely. It's it's funny. It's it's not funny. Rather, my my own children um, have approached me and said, "This must be exactly what grandma was describing." Um, that because my my mother and my grandmother, fortunately, my grandmother lived to one hundred and four. So my children had the opportunity to not only hear these stories from, or continue to hear these stories from my mother, but from their great grandmother as well. Um, it is very sad for a bunch of different reasons. Obviously, it brings up very personal memories of what they witnessed or were eyewitnesses to, as well as just the ongoing sadness that um, the freedom that we've been fighting for and hoping for for decades um, is still eluding us. Was she within a Ukrainian community in Wisconsin, or were they isolated? Um, they were isolated. They were actually sponsored by a German fa farmer to come to uh, Wisconsin. My grandfather was an agronomist in Ukraine. Um, all of my grandparents were professionals in Ukraine when they came here to the U.S. They were all in their 50s, and one grandfather was an attorney. His first job was lifting uh, bags of sugar at the Domino Sugar Factory and cleaning bedpans at the, at, um, on Welfare Island. My grandfather, who was an agronomist in Wisconsin, um, ended up being a janitor with one of the schools there. Uh, the priests and the nuns took them in to take care of them. Um, so my mother really did not have any Ukrainians uh, other than one family that was about an hour and a half away in Madison, Wisconsin. So her Ukrainian upbringing was largely uh, in, in gratitude to my grandparents, who made sure that both she and her brothers spoke Ukrainian. Um, they read the Ukrainian newspaper, they gave them their own daily lessons, but unlike my father, who had a much more formal Ukrainian schooling, uh, hers was more passed on by her parents. So they were able to get Ukrainian newspapers in Wisconsin? Yes, yes. Wow. In the 40s? Yeah. Maybe the 50s? In the 50s, yeah. 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 Oh, that's, thank goodness. Thank you, journalists yeah. and newspaper writers and reporters. <laughs> right. They're, they were obviously U.S.-based newspapers. Sure, but, but, but still. Nonetheless, yeah, nonetheless, yes. So uh, your mom, has she been back to Ukraine 
much? Um, she did go back for the first time in 2011. It was a very emotional trip for her. Um, she had been hoping to be able to make the trip back with my father, but he had died three years earlier. Um, we had arranged a trip. I was fortunate enough to go back to Ukraine for the first time in 1991 because of my family's ties, particularly my father's ties um, with, as I mentioned, Radio for Europe and the Ukrainian newspaper and being relatively active in, or very active in the Ukrainian community. We were never really able to go back until 1991 when Ukraine declared its independence for fear of repercussions on our family there. So it was, uh, I, I went back for the first time in July of 91, right before, a month before Ukraine declared its full independence. Um, and we then went back as an entire family. I promised I'd bring more of us back. We went back in 2011. And it was a very moving experience. Um, she was able to visit the, the towns and villages where her family had come from and meet with her cousins and you know her mother's brother. My mother only came to this country with her brother, her father, and her mother. That's it. So going back in 2011, that's now 11 years ago when she was 69, and that being the first time that she saw anybody outside of her immediate family was, as you can imagine, quite a moving experience. We also then spent a significant amount of time with members of my father's side of the family as well. Oh, I have the chills just thinking about that, how powerful and and just heartbreaking and all the emotions, and yet that's wonderful that she had that opportunity to go back. Absolutely. Um, it, I think part of what was, it was moving for us because I, I know when we got there, we assembled as a family unit um, explaining whose children we were and their, their siblings all gathered saying, I'm the daughter of so-and-so, I'm the grandchild of so-and-so. And I think what was particularly moving for them was that they were surprised at the fact that um, we all spoke Ukrainian, that we all still adhere to the cultural traditions, etc. Uh, part of the propaganda that had always been fed to them under the Iron Curtain was that, you know, Ukrainian is a dead language, it's a dead culture, um, you know, nobody else speaks it, teach, teach your children Russian, etc. So they were shocked. In fact, they told us that when we went to visit them, we sounded like their grandparents, because my parents, when they immigrated here, brought over the Ukrainian language pre-Russification under the Soviets. So what they were hearing from us, they often said, was more of a pure language, or as I said, that of what they heard their grandparents speaking. So it was a very moving, I think it was moving on for both sides of the family. Yeah, and you mentioned um, in an email that your three children, they they all went to the school of the Ukrainian studies, is that correct? And they were raised yes. studying and yeah. speaking Ukrainian. Yes, I'm, I'm very fortunate. My husband, uh, Brian, is not Ukrainian, although his last name sounds Ukrainian, so we can get away with that. Um, <laughs> but uh, he has been a tremendous supporter of bringing up our children in the Ukrainian culture and values the extra dimension of you know what comes to a child by being, being brought up in just any additional culture. So um, my, our children, uh, just like myself, learned Ukrainian first. They all went into school with off-the-boat accents, even though they were born in uh, Livingston and Summit, New Jersey. Um, they attended Ukrainian school. The oldest two, one is 27, one is 23, attended Ukrainian school and graduated. Um, they both then went on actually to spend a number of weeks during the summer at the Ukrainian Catholic University in Lviv, Ukraine, where they took advanced language courses. Um, my youngest is just a senior in high school, so she'll be graduating and taking her finishing exams this year. Um, they've also actively participated and continue to participate as Eagle Scouts in the Ukrainian Scouting Program, dancing with the Ukrainian Dance Troupe, playing with, for the Ukrainian Music Institute. 
Um, my oldest actually, th their fluency is strong enough, and my oldest is uh, very much interested in international relations. That is her field, her profession. She spent uh, a summer working as an intern for the Ukrainian parliament in Kyiv. Wow. <laughs> That's not your ordinary walk in the park for a family. No. That's <laughs> that is wonderful. I applaud you for for going that extra mile and and really immersing your family in in who you are and where you came from and past and present generations to continue that is is very smart. Tell us a little bit about the cultural center, because I know that you have a big enough center there and you have festivals, because I know you do the traditional dances and the music and the costumes. So it's not only just a language, but it's, and we'll talk about the lifestyle, but tell us a little bit about the, the children that perform and the adults that perform. Absolutely. Um, thank you. The, yes, the cultural center um, has been there for about 13, 14 years prior to that um, in the same location in Whippany, New Jersey, and that this church still exists. There was a small church on the corner, as it was known, um, which probably fit less than 40 people into the church. The cultural center was built predominantly on the donations of members of the Ukrainian community. Um, we obviously have a still a significant mortgage we're looking to pay off, but we built the cultural center first. And in that, or in that cultural center, we established a small chapel to be able to hold our church masses. But we felt as a community that it was best to build the cultural center because it would get much more use on a regular basis. Um, our previous to that, our different organizations, whether it be the scouting organizations or the dance troops or the music troops or the sports organizations were having to rent out other facilities. So um, we finally built a home and it really does feel like a second home to our children. Uh, one of the things that I think distinguishes uh, the Ukrainian studies program that we have for our kids is that it really isn't just a school, uh, like a Saturday school or an SAT course. Um, these children largely come to school on Saturdays from nine to one o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, one, because they do want to learn more about their heritage. We have classes. Uh, especially once you get to the high school level in language, in culture, in history, in geography. Basically, we teach everything uh, in Ukrainian about Ukraine, with the exception of math and science, which is uh, obviously a global language. But it's also because they get to see their friends there. These are the same children who they go to weekly scout meetings with, or they may see at dance lessons on Thursday, or they may see at their piano lessons on Tuesday. And most of their parents, most of the children there, their parents all went to school together and went to the summer camps together as well. So it really reinforces a sense of community and as a second family for our children, as opposed to just a place where you send somebody to learn a language. Which is always wonderful to have that their their own friends there, right? Their own support group. It's not like that they're just there with their teacher and they're sitting in a chair. It sounds like they're having a wonderful <laughs> it, time. <laughs> exactly. And I think it's also what's nice is in this day and age of trying to make sure that our children appreciate what's there. As you can imagine, the children that attend school there, attend the activities, come from a variety of different Ukrainian backgrounds. Some are like my children, second generation, whose families have emerged from, you know, let's say a less than comfortable way of life when they first came here to a more comfortable way of life to children who just only recently come to the United States. And we are constantly um, fundraising, providing support both to them as well as those who are still in Ukraine. So I think it has a very humbling impact and those children who, you know, you worry would be too removed from the reality of what their parents and grandparents may have grown up with. 
Can you explain a little bit more about what makes Ukrainian culture different from, say, an American culture? Um, sure. Well, I will say that while not all Ukrainians are of the same religion, and there are Ukrainians who are Ukrainian Catholics, Ukrainian Orthodox, um, Ukrainian Jews, I will say that the culture is very, uh, the culture and traditions are very closely tied to religion. Um, so many of our traditions actually do still come from Ukrainian pagan times um, that then were adopted and transformed into um, more, you know, as I say, either Christian or, or other other traditions. Um, so from a Ukrainian cultural perspective, where to begin? Um, the Ukrainian language is extremely rich. So one of the things we pride ourselves on is our literature, as well as our music and songs. I think you've probably heard um, many times now that, you know, our claim to fame with Carol of the Bells in, in Ukrainian known as Shedrik, um, that is a, a, a Ukrainian piece of music. I think one of the most, I'd say the richest things about our culture is in fact our language. Um, it is very difficult to translate something from the Ukrainian language into English or another language and convey the same beauty of those words. It's hard to describe, but um, if you study the language and, and you know what I mean, um, I think you can appreciate it. So again, we take a lot of pride in our um, literature as well as in our music, and that gets very tied up into our traditions. So um, yes, of course, there are traditional foods that we serve for Christmas and traditional foods we serve for Easter. Um, we have 12 courses at Christmas time uh, related to the 12 apostles. Uh, previously came from the 12 months of the year from a seasonal perspective. So that's my uh, allusion to the coming from pagan times to more current uh, uh, Catholic or Christian times as well. Um, the Ukrainians, both here as well as Ukraine, are very, very food oriented. <laughs> So um, there is a, a, a richness in that. I think if you come to Ukrainian home, you will never leave hungry. Uh, that is definitely for sure. Um, our, our traditions, as you've probably seen also in our beautiful embroidered shirts and our dances, um, each Ukrainian costume uh, comes from a different region of Ukraine. They have their own symbolism um, and their own indications as well. So I could go on and on, Jackie. I don't know, maybe I'll stop. But I, I love getting the, the visual of that because it is it's very rich and I and I want to make sure that people understand it. And I think we're seeing a lot of this strength and passion coming through. I hate to say it on the news now because this is the most I've been exposed to the people of Ukraine. And it's unfortunate, the circumstances. So when you're watching the news, what emotions are you experiencing? Um, I'll be honest, it's hard not to cry every single time it comes on. You just said something about the first you've seen or heard. I, I remember being in high school here, obviously, and um, being asked what my ethnic background was, given my name, and I would say Ukrainian, and people would say, what is that? Um, I remember being in high school and uh, having my history teacher start our class saying Russia or the Soviet Union. And me, uh, as a 15-year-old, having to approach him and say, I understand why you're saying that. Uh, it's a confusion that many uh, have. But by referring to the two as the same, you're actually uh, helping propagate the misinformation and the russification of a variety of different nations and people. Um, so we have come a long way. High school, for me, however, was a long time ago. Um, but uh, it is unfortunate for those of us who are now seeing Ukraine being recognized that it is under these circumstances. 
Um, but we are grateful. Um, and I have to say, I am in a constant chat with relatives of mine here in the States and those in Ukraine. We're trying not to bombard them all the time. So we created a large chat group so we could all stay in touch throughout the different cities and towns in Ukraine. And we send them, whether it's images of the Metropolitan Opera singing the national anthem, or even messages that we're getting from our community members who are not of Ukrainian background, offering to donate or offer support. Uh, I truly, truly believe that all of these positive messages are helping bolster that you know undying strength uh, that the Ukrainian people have. I will say that that strength was always there. Um, I see it in obviously on my father's side and then the men in our family too, but the Ukrainian women tend to be very, very strong. I, I, I look back at my grandmother, I look back, I look at my mother today and the hardships that they faced both you know, in Ukraine as well as here, you know, as anybody else faces. And the strength is just, uh, I'm in awe, I'm in awe. And it's, it's funny, I was talking to my daughter yesterday and I mentioned you and I would be speaking today and she made a comical comment about, oh, are you going to be one, come across as one of those crazy Ukrainian moms <laughs> in a joking way? And I said, what do you mean by that? Because you know, I'm, I don't think I'm crazy. And she goes, no. Um, <laughs> I'm so I, I said, you know, no, the ones that want their kids to you know, perform and do everything and be very, very this and very excellent at that. And I said, well, did you ever feel pressured? And she said, no, not at all. She said, I enjoy it. But what hit me most, I have to say, is she said, I know that our grand, sorry, I'm going to get emotional. I know that my great grandmother and my grandmother went through a lot to come to this country to give us all these opportunities. So why wouldn't I try to take advantage of them to their fullest? Um, so the fact that, you know, and, and I honestly, when, as she said that, I said, yeah, I, I think you know, my, my parents never pressured us to do well. We just felt like we needed to do well. This was, you know, how could we not? Um, it would be an insult to our parents and our grandparents for having come here to having risked so much of what they did to be able to establish a better life that they knew wouldn't be necessarily for themselves. My grandparents came over in their late fifties, not speaking the language, but they knew that they were starting life over, off over again so that they could create a better life for their children. And for that, I'm always very grateful. For their children's children and all future generations, yes. They just didn't look down. They kept their heads up, and they did whatever they had to do to survive, to provide for their family. Absolutely. You see that with the families standing at the borderline, you know, the border crossing and waiting days with their children, and it's freezing cold, and then the husband decides to go back and help, and, and it's hard heartbreaking doesn't even come close. No, there's, they are scared, that is for sure. Um, but there is not a single doubt in their mind that they need to stay. Uh, just like Zelensky said, I need ammunition, I don't need a ride. Um, you know, we had initially, for some of our elder, elderly relatives, tried to coordinate to be able to get them out of the country, you know, especially once the visa restrictions were lifted because, as you know, coming leaving Ukraine uh, is is not easy, and that's one of the reasons why they're petitioning for EU membership, et cetera. But um, even the elderly didn't want to leave. They said, "I'd rather die here defending my country or on the soil of my people than elsewhere." Yeah, and that's why again, I think many men, many fathers, have gone back because they said, "I could never live with myself if I didn't go back and defend this wonderful country." Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you remember your mom trying to tell you stories 
of the importance and significance of her life and her family and you just kind of saying, oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) Not right now. (laughs) Well, I I, I can probably say when there were those Saturdays where I'd rather be at volleyball practice than going to Ukrainian school Uh, or, you know, doing my homework on a Friday night for Ukrainian school and my friends are going to a party and having to do that first. Like any child, I'd be you know, not truthful or lying if I said, oh, no, this was always, you know, I, I wore my colors proudly, et cetera. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I don't remember my parents ever saying, specifically my mother saying, you need to do this because, but I will say that the stories of our family were always the bedtime stories that my mother said, not the horrific ones, but telling us stories about, you know, their life when they were coming over here, because we had a strong interest in that what it was like to come to the United States those first years, et cetera, and, and beyond. Um, she has undertaken um, the responsibility for which my family is eternally grateful for transcribing my father's fathers, so my paternal grandfathers and my maternal grandfathers, as well as my maternal mother's um, life stories. Uh, many of them had done um, had written down their own experiences as once they came to the United States of how it felt or what they went through coming to the United States, et cetera. And she, uh, when my grandmother, the one that I mentioned lived to 104 was getting up in age. My mother sat with her for days, um, recording her telling those stories. Uh, so my mom's work in the last three years has been in sitting down and both, um, writing them, writing these down in Ukrainian, most of the notes that my grandparents had written were handwritten. So as you can imagine, it's a big undertaking to transcribe the stories both into the, both in English as well as writing them in Ukrainian and inserting pictures where she was able to find them. So I have to say, um, for us, that is just uh, a priceless gift because these individuals, including my father, are no longer with us. So the stories can easily disappear uh, or fade into the memory if they aren't captured. Um, And I have to say, you know, my mom, we almost joke about it. Here comes grandma with her archives again, because she she brings her MacBook over and then she panics when she can't get it to save to the Google Drive. (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful. Imagine that. Yeah. Mm, That's great. Oh, how wonderful. Now, is there the Ukrainian National Women's League of America is part of one of the member organizations through the cultural yes, it sense? Is. And it's uniting Ukrainian descendants and 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 women and creating a, um, a whole educational cultural support group for women. Yes, and it's is it the I'm largest actually. the largest running in the in the U.S. You know, uh, from a women's perspective, I believe it is. I'm a proud member of one of the branches of the UNWLA, um, as is my mother, as was my grandmother. Um, It very much, as you described, um, brings together, their mission is many-fold. One of it is to be able to educate and continue the cultural um, aspects of being Ukrainian. So they are large uh, supporters and founders of the Ukrainian Museum. One of the things I will mention that uh, that uh, we're also grateful for for the generation that included my grandparents and my parents is that when they came here, um, instead of spending the money on themselves or on their individual families, they really rolled up their sleeves as well as any money they did have to buy the land to build the Ukrainian churches, to build the Ukrainian museums, to build the, the cultural centers, to purchase land for um, Ukrainian camps so that 
the community would have a place to assemble. They kind of knew well in advance, I guess, um, 2020 hindsight, that without that, uh, we would easily uh, start to spread out and kind of lose that connectivity. Uh, you know, when Ukrainians first came over here, they were nestled into smaller uh, locations, meaning more more gathered into populations. And as, as their families grew and expanded years past, they spread out more. So having these landmark uh, places for us to be able to gather is great. And the UNWLA is, is, a, is a great organization, um, not only to help continue the traditions of Ukrainian culture here in the US, but is a huge also fundraiser and supporter of Ukrainian charities uh, in other countries, um, sending money to support orphans in Ukraine, sending money to Brazil, et cetera. Um, so yes, that's one of the many Ukrainian organizations I'm proud to be a member of as well. And there, you're also collecting donations, is that true, at the the center, the Ukrainian yes. center? Yeah. Now, um, you can, everyone can go to the website, is that correct, to get the correct. list? Because you have quite the list of non-perishable yes. foods and all that. So yes, tell us a little uh, bit about that, because that's happening in the next, well, this second, first and second weeks of March, I believe. Absolutely. Um, the Ukrainian Cultural Center in Whippany, New Jersey, um, we are starting with the donation drive started by the Ukrainian School this Saturday. Um, uh, there is a list available on our website, which does identify the items. Most of the items we are collecting are for humanitarian aid. So we are not asking people to contribute funds for ammunition or anything like that. Um, but it is for humanitarian aid. So whether it be hygiene products for women, diapers, uh, blankets, bedding, uh, mattresses, sleeping bags, tents, uh, dry, non-perishable goods, first aid kits. Uh, there are two organizations here who in the U.S. that are still quite successful in getting products not just to Poland to be taken over to the border, but are still managing, at least for now, to be able to get the delivery of those products to their warehouses in Western Ukraine for then further distribution. Um, there are also avenues if people just want to contribute financially to be able to contribute financially so that we can purchase these products to have them sent there. Okay. So thank and you for mentioning that. You bet. And it's UACCNJ. It's the U Ukrainian American Cultural Center, New Jersey, right? They can find it. Correct. UACCNJ.com. Yes. Right. Terrific. Okay. Anya, my goodness, how could you tell the people of Ukraine for me, please, that everyone from should have listened to my mother is holding you in our hearts with a warm embrace. How would you say that in Ukrainian? Oh, now I'm getting emotional. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. It's, it's going to bring us all together. It is. It's bringing us together, regardless of what that guy over there thinks he's going to do to us. So I'm not even mentioning his name. Anya Tomko, I, I can't thank you enough. You really jumped on this super fast, and it means the world to me and to all of my listeners that should have listened to my mother. Thank you very much, Jackie. And if I can end with a traditional greeting you're hearing these days, Slava Ukraini, Heroyam Slava, which is glory to Ukraine, glory to the heroes. 